Welcome in. It's a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks to all who have joined us in the past and join us for this one. Uh, we're nearing kickoff just about two and a half weeks away as we record here in State College on a Tuesday afternoon. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you as always. And uh, we still got some time before Idaho gets to town and we turn focus to that matchup against the Vandals and, and then a busy September in Beaver Stadium. Uh, middle of training camp at this point, a couple uh, less than two weeks in, uh, still a little while longer. We've still got position battles to talk to. The Big Ten Network rolled through this past weekend, uh, gave us a little bit more of a behind-the-scenes look than we're accustomed to uh, with the Nittany Lions football squad. Uh, We have some takeaways there. Um, You already know you can get plenty of Penn State information online uh, through our text and here on the podcast and obviously on television, and and there's going to be potentially a new dynamic in how you can digest Penn State football coverage, uh, and that may come in the form of a Hard Knocks-style TV series coming to HBO. we're just getting the uh, the general information here on Tuesday, uh, but Sean, who I'll bring in now, was uh, able to contact Penn State, uh, get a little more information on what could be a you know pretty intriguing thing for Penn State football fans and college football fans in general uh, on this new show. A little more might be generous. We got a statement from Penn State that says, yeah, they kind of uh, explore. They kind of admitted that they're exploring it. That nothing's going to be finalized until I think a, a, re- a release would come out for HBO or something. But it's an interesting concept. Penn State did it a couple of years ago with Bill O'Brien. It was an ESPN Training Days series. This one on HBO. You know, a lot of you that are listening have seen Hard Knocks and know that it's a pretty cool production to get you deeper into the into the team than you would probably have ever been. Um, but no, this is interesting. As reported by Devil's Digest, uh, the Arizona State uh, website last night, uh, Monday night, excuse me, um, Arizona State, Washington State, uh, they're looking at previewing that game throughout the week. They've also mentioned Bama and Penn State as a couple of, of potential uh, landing spots for this series. Seems like it would just be a short-term thing. Now, I don't think James Franklin would, would want cameras around the entire time, though I do. You know, It is something he's spoken before in the past, uh, that he would like to get his program more exposure in a situation like this. So I think he's all in on it. Um, gives Penn State a chance to... Uh, to to get its uh, to get its name brand out there to to work on its image um, and and sort of be a recruiting tool. I think that's the biggest thing that that they could take away from it. As James Franklin's always recruiting, this would fall right in line with uh, with what he likes to do. Perception, national image, all tied into to the situation and all tied into recruiting success, along with, of course, wins on the football field. But yeah, I think James Franklin is one of those coaches who would not shy away from this opportunity. There are several, I would imagine, including one, Nick Saban, who, who if he's involved here, be definitely curious about that. Uh, I think he he's usually seems content to to interact with, with media and, and, and kind of pull back the curtain as little as possible. Now, James Franklin, obviously, he's not going to want to give away the, the, the secrets of the facility. But clearly, the opportunity to, to walk a camera crew around um, and really, you know, highlight some personalities on this football program. I think that they like a lot about the way this locker room is and and the chemistry they've developed. And if that's something that can show through uh, on the camera, you know, that's a big deal because we're talking about uh, a show that wouldn't be regional. It wouldn't be restricted to Penn State fans who are looking for it. You know, anybody could be just scrolling through and see a show coming on HBO. And uh, you know, you never know how that could impact or recruit in a different corner of the country. Uh, you know, and and it's it's. 
it's it's always going to be interesting when you talk about things like this popping up and 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 it, what's the line that coaches don't want to cross and and you know how much it would a production team you know want to push the envelope a little bit. We've heard about that coming up with Hard Knocks. Um, you know the interesting thing here is the, the Hard Knocks is so you know tied in with the NFL and, and the NFL films and, and there's a lot of mandated stuff here. Uh, definitely curious to see how the NCAA because of all the rules and regulations they have in place with so much how they're handling situations like this and and, and the Amazon Prime. Um, series that follow Michigan football around a couple of years ago. So these are starting to pop up more and more. And I think for Penn State, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to capture the opportunity to jump inside the spotlight. Again, I have no idea really what the timetable looks like this, for this. If, if, if they would have a bunch of camera crews setting up shop for, for hypothetically the, the whiteout game against Michigan in October, or if it could be, you know, let's just say uh, toward the end of the season when, when it's a game against a team that's Rutgers and, and there's maybe less fanfare around that game. We don't know the details here, Sean. What I do know is when you hear about HBO and what they financially invest into their production efforts, uh, I'd imagine it's going to be a high-quality show. And, and I also think that they're going to do their best to to present a candid look at each program. Um, so you know, a lot to lot to dive into here. And 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 as and as you said. Kind of just getting the the general framework of what this may be. Yeah, I guess HBO saw the uh, Game of Thrones stuff that uh, they they were doing for Trace McSorley and everything, and re- decided to repay the favor by throwing them on the show. But no, it gives it gives you guys a chance to develop these individual personalities. We've seen KJ Hamler grow since he's been since he's been here, but it gives your players a little bit more exposure, which I think is something that. You know, parents and, and coaches, and, and you're using this as a recruiting tool. Parents and coaches are going to take advantage of anytime that you can get your players out in front and develop a personality and, and be a guy that, you know, sort of comes off as, as more than just a company man, just the, to say in the regular interviews and everything like that. It's guys like Hamler, guys like Mike, Micah Parsons. You've got a guy like Yitor Gross Matos who's going to be, you know, trying to get his person and personality out there for the draft next year. So you've got an opportunity to, to get these guys and, and might be overlooked guys as well um you know getting these special little one-off type of uh sidebars get to tell their stories it's going to be cool hbo does a great job i have no no doubt about that we were treated to a an extremely light version of that over the weekend as big 10 network came into town their studio crew doing their big 10 tour as they do every year and as we saw in the message boards at lions 24 7 i think it's the same thing every season the expectations are high for the uh, production and really they just don't come away talking about the team a bunch but when they did talk about the team i don't think there's any question where the focus is and it's where we've been focusing the entire time is on this defense they're really high on this defense they say they're as advertised they say they're fast moving around flying around um, dominating the offense right now which really isn't a surprise considering what we expect out of this defense but I guess I guess iron sharpens iron is that what we're going with right now Uh, the offense is going to have to deal with uh, with good defenses throughout the Big Ten and and they're doing that in practice so just extremely pleased with the the speed the length the the athleticism on uh, on defense and I think that's one thing Franklin tried to get across to the studio crew when they when he had him in town you got a chance to, to see a guy like Micah Parsons step up with the microphone on Big Ten Network, and we've obviously now had a few chances to speak with him in media sessions. But uh, you know, it goes to show you guys like him, Pat Fryermuth, of course, Etor Grossmatos in there. But younger players are the ones that have been, you know, given the opportunity to be vocal and, and express their confidence. And those two are, have stood out to me, and Micah and Pat on both sides of the football. But yeah, when you talk about you know the the 
how, how weighted this team is right now. And you just look on the practice field, you definitely lean towards the defense. Um, a big part of that, I think, is is just the general athleticism they present on the on the front seven. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough for any team to deal with. And, and when we got a chance to check them out in person, you know, for about 15 minutes on Wednesday, Penn State was struggling with that. Um, you know, wasn't a really good sample size to, to judge Sean Clifford or Will Levis or any of the quarterbacks off of because they were taking some heat. And, you know, if that's the case during the season, uh, then we're going to get a pretty good indication of how those guys can, can handle the flying bullets around them. You know, you look at this that this defense, Sean, and, and you know, right now it seems a defensive tackle now. Franklin talking about that top four, feeling comfortable with them. I think they like what they've got too deep um, at defensive end. You throw Jason away in beyond the too deep at defensive end. That rotation is impressive, and I think it's going to come down to is how can you get guys on the football field, um, you know, maybe position aside, just find seven guys they can throw on there that are going to make it practically impossible for an opposing offense uh, to deal with those players coming after your quarterback unless they make a major sacrifice elsewhere. Uh, and those kind of combos and, and ability to dial up those those schemes and, and, and bring the right guy off the bench for a rep or two, that's the challenge to Brent Pry, Sean Spencer. And, uh, you know, I, I've said all offseason with the kind of athleticism they have at these positions that you don't normally see the, those 40-yard dash times and those measurables, the imagination has to be at an all-time high for this coaching staff on defense and offensively. Look, uh, you'd like to think you know the iron sharpens iron theory is gonna is going to be legit when they come at, when you come out of the other side and you get into game action and the people are wearing other uniforms. But we're just not going to know and 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 until it really gets into crunch time, which is when we learned about this offensive line and whether it's going to take a step forward. Uh, you know, they're going to take their lumps in camp, and, and I'm just the thing you need to make sure of is uh, that they enter with some confidence. Though you don't want to get this group beaten up and, and then going into Idaho down on themselves. I don't know how you can do that really uh, organically without actually winning reps against this good defensive line. But, uh, you know, this offensive group is facing a challenge on a day-to-day basis, and they've talked about it in theory all offseason, how it's going to help them. I'd imagine the reality right now, and, and we don't get access to every practice, but I, I'm still convinced that the defense is uh, largely, uh, you know, getting the better end of this result. You, you just wonder with, with first-team quarterback, you know, with new guys all over the football field, uh, you got to hope they come out the other side, you know, after taking those punches, feeling confident in their ability to go dish some out against an opponent. Well, that's not speculation. I mean, this defense is is far ahead. And, you know, from if you line them up on paper, they're they're going to be ahead, no doubt. But this defense, you know, obviously maybe pinning their ears back a little bit more. Um, you know, it, th- there's spots that you need to develop the depth. And we're talking about safety. We, you know, we talked about Lamont Wade and Jaquan Brisker, that battle right there. But just across the board, you, you're pretty sure what you're going to get. I went, I went home this weekend and uh, I'm from Southern Pennsylvania. And of course, everybody walks up to me and says, hey, how are we going to be this year? You know, what's, what, what are they looking like? And I'm like, well, here's the thing. Your defense is going to keep you in every game. So, and that, and that's from top to bottom on that, uh, on that schedule. The defense can play with any team, uh, including Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, I mean, any team on the raw, or excuse me, any team on the schedule. This defense can play with. It's those six guys closest to the football. It's that offensive line and, and the, the quarterback, which you know, Big Ten Network did did what they do. They they didn't play one guy up or the other. They kind of said that that Sean Clifford and Will Levis looked pretty close when they were there on Saturday. But at the same time, I think they kind of admitted that Clifford's got an edge. The players that they had up were talking up uh, Clifford as the leader and everything like that. So kind of goes along with what we've been saying. But I mean, it's it goes back to those six guys. 
saw a couple of nice clips. I mean, you saw Rashid Walker block uh, Yitor Gross Matos, and anytime you can block him, that's a good thing, as we've seen. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to take those guys coming together. Still don't think they're there. Still don't think the expectation is that they're going to be there on week one. But you've got to sort of play around with those matchups. I, 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 we've seen Mike Miranda play on both at both guard spots. We've seen C.J. Thorpe moved around as well. Just trying to find that right combination. And I think you're going to see that throughout September as guys are going to you know get some time in there. They're going to throw Dez Holmes in there. They're going to maybe play a little bit of Caden Wallace and Anthony Wigan at different spots, as we talked about last week when Wigan was at guard. So you're going to play with that, see what you've got. And, and, and by the end of September, hopefully you, you find – probably seven maybe eight guys that you can roll with and if you and if you've got that I think you'll be okay don't think this offensive line is going to kill anybody don't think that they're going to be the the shining star of this team but to get those six guys on the same page to get them in line that's what's going to take this team as as far as it can go October 12th is the date that I circle on the calendar and say they the offensive line has to have it figured out by this game because that's when they go to Iowa and that's when they they start that you know that defining three-game stretch where they come back and play Michigan and then head to Michigan State, a team that's really had their number over recent years. So, yeah, I mean, you say they might not kill anybody. They might get Sean Clifford killed if they're not ready. You know, that, that's that's the thing. They got a heck of a defensive uh, front they're going to face uh, when they get in a Big Ten play almost on a weekly basis. So uh, we'll learn a lot about them. Another note here, uh, you know, just from the Big Ten Network coverage and speaking with the coaches and speaking with particularly uh, the players, um, who were the young guys stepping up? And that's the question that we always try to ask during the media scrums. Uh, they, they gave them the same thing. They've had, you know, 10 plus days now on the practice field to, to kind of gauge that question a little bit. And the names that came up were, were the names that we've been giving you here on the podcast, the two freshman running backs, uh, Devin Ford, Noah Kane, Kane on campus since January, uh, Ford getting to campus in early June. And then additionally, on the other side of the ball, a local state college high product, uh, Keaton Ellis, who, who we've said is really seems to be pushing to be, uh, you know, that, that fourth cornerback right now. You've, you've got other guys in there, notably Trent Gordon, uh, Donovan Johnson, a redshirt sophomore, probably that third guy behind starters, Tariq Castro Fields and John Reed. But those are the three names that have continued to come up during our podcast throughout the offseason. Those are the first three names that, that get referenced by these football players. And KJ Hamler is the one who brought up Keaton Ellis, and, and I'd imagine he, he's getting to know these new cornerbacks pretty well. And so for him to tip his cap towards Ellis, who, who we also practiced against back in spring, was complimentary of I think that's another indication that Keaton Ellis is avoiding those moments of disarray in the defensive backfield yeah I think that's something that was that was mentioned to us after the spring I, I mean I don't really think there's any doubt that this kid's going to redshirt now not only what he can bring you as a fourth corner as we've seen you know they've been, they've had to play four and five corners because of injuries and because of other things but he's also can give you something on special teams, can be a return man, can be a gunner, can can use that speed, can use that size. And I don't think there's any question he's going to play. I'm also going to throw Brandon Smith into that mix as well. Um, Smith uh, so far having a pretty good camp from what we understand. Um, so that to see positive signs on there. And, and I think we talked about that last week is, is there's not a ton of room for him to play at linebacker right now, but he can work his way in there. But there is room on special teams, and there is room for him to get on the field in some capacity. So we'll throw Smith uh, in there with, uh, excuse me, yeah, we'll, we'll throw Brendan Smith in there with Keaton Ellis. I almost called him Keandre Lambert for some reason. Um, and then the two running backs as well. I don't think there's any question. Big Ten Network, by the way, pretty high on this running back room. They saw Slade. They had a lot of things uh, to say about Journey Brown. And, of course, these two freshmen as well. And as you saw on a small clip that, that Penn State posted earlier this week, they threw a screen pass to a freshman. I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's it's all happening. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But uh, it's... Uh, 
a little bit more of that youth movement as they transition from getting these freshman feet wet to uh, you know falling into Iowa or excuse me Idaho prep and Buffalo prep and pit prep and all that kind of stuff. You're seeing it move away from that first scrimmage was in the in the, in the stadium on Sunday. I'm, I'm struggling, man. First scrimmage was in the stadium on Sunday. Uh, a lot of young guys getting reps there uh, just to get their first time into the stadium and into a live situation. So. Um, progress from on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think you're starting to see this development of experience, which isn't going to come until game time. But still, you're figuring out these reps. You're figuring out where these guys fall in line. And then you're moving ahead a couple of weeks into camp. And I think we can start to talk a little bit more about, you know, Sean Clifford being that starting quarterback or, or you know, finding a guy at right guard or finding a guy at safety or things like that as those two weeks uh, sort of close the book on them. We'll get James Franklin again after practice this Wednesday. That that's going to be our pretty much our traditional groove here on a weekly basis, uh, along with the Tuesday press conferences that'll accompany game week. So that'll be our next opportunity. Uh, you know, if if Franklin, I don't know how he's going to go about naming a starting quarterback. Perhaps it'll be at one of those post-practice situations. Perhaps they'll tweet it out like my, the Miami Hurricanes did when they dropped a nice big bombshell on, on the college football world by uh, not naming Tate Martell their starting quarterback on Monday. We'll find out. We'll stay tuned for that. But as the Big Ten Network people said, uh, you know that they they see a competition out there, and 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 that's what we've been talking about. But you know, Sean Clifford, long-awaited uh, guy at that spot. Uh, but you've got to have two ready to roll, as we've discussed many times at that spot. Um, Sean, additionally, uh, talking about the running back room, it should get better in 2020. Uh, they've got at least another blue chip on board now. Keziah Holmes announcing his commitment on Friday. Uh, that's a commitment that that you know we both had crystal balls in for a while. He visited Penn State for an official visit in June. He stopped by Florida State towards the tail end of July for one last checkup uh, with the Seminoles. It came down to a couple teams. Uh, Penn State is the pick and seemed like a pretty obvious pick down the stretch for him. Not a lot of concern about the situation he's going to encounter here in Happy Valley. J1 Sider played a huge role. Saquon Barkley's his favorite running back, and he's obviously going to draw as many parallels between him and Saquon Barkley as he possibly can now that he's going to be wearing the same uniform. As we've said, uh, more good things could be on the horizon at running back spot, but but let's take a moment to to recognize the fact that they just took one of the top players on offense uh, out of the state of Florida. He had offers from the big three down in Florida. He had offers from across the ACC, SEC spectrum. Uh, he's coming to central Pennsylvania. It continues the theme of J1 Sider getting it done, and it continues the theme of this Penn State team just really poaching top running back talent from different regions across the country. Coco, wonderful program down in Florida. Jaywan Sider, some sort of wizard to get uh, where he's gotten, of course, last year with Noah Kane, who's kind of all over the place. He's from Louisiana, played in Texas, then went to IMG. So, you know, just kind of all over the map with that. But Holmes, uh, uh, you know, one of those Florida guys, uh, of course, Devin Ford of Virginia guy. I mean, just done a phenomenal job. And that's what we expect from him. I mean, that, let's be honest with you. The bar is so much higher for J1 Sider right now as a recruiter, just because he is that, that alpha recruiter on the staff. So for him to go in there to get Kaziah Holmes to set the table, possibly get Kevon Lee at the end of the month. I mean, what else do you want from this guy? I mean, he's, 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 a, he's developed Miles Sanders after Saquon Barkley came through. And obviously that's not an easy, uh, that was not an easy role to follow. Sure, the position is recruiting itself a little bit with the success of Barkley and Sanders, but Sider's doing it all right now, man. He's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Holmes gives you a little bit of speed out of the backfield. By a little bit, I mean he's documented in the four fours with uh, with laser time. So a lot of speed out of the backfield. 
180, so he's not the big back that you're looking for. Kevon Lee is kind of that big back. Um, gives you something. He can play in the slot. You can move him around. And if Penn State finally decides to throw to its running backs, which is something we've talked about over the last couple of years and something we have seen a couple of times in camp when we've been there. If that starts to happen, it opens up uh, things for for guys like Keziah Holmes that can get out in space and do some things. Guys like Devin Ford, who's so, so incredibly uh, well-rounded a talent at running back. Um, so it gives you guys an opportunity to to share the ball a little bit, gives those guys an opportunity to to get out and show that, that they can get on the field right away. As we mentioned, they're not aiming to redshirt running backs right now. You're bringing guys in as an assembly line, keeping them going, keeping them semi-fresh by rotating those guys in there, but you're also getting them the ball in different ways, and that's uh, showcasing their talents. And so far, the, the results have been pretty good. Absolutely. This this running back room, I, I think you're, you're starting to, you know, if they come together with another good class here and you mentioned, um, you know, the potential for, for Lee to join this group. Jalen Berger is another guy we've talked about a lot. Um, you know, this, this depending on what they bring in here, you look at their 2020 potential and everybody on this on this roster right now on a scholarship at the position uh, is expected back in 2020 barring a transfer. I think it measures up just about against any any room in the country. Now, obviously, we're going to need to see guys like Ricky Slade, Noah Kane, Devin Ford, Journey Brown go out and and show something on the field this year with expanded roles and, and that responsibility. and And I think they're going to you're going to see multiple guys by the end of the season, you know, going into next offseason and saying he could be the guy if he needs to be, but. I think we're out in a situation where, you know, look at Alabama. They, they tend to have, you know, one guy maybe gets 900-plus yards. Another guy gets 500, 600 yards. And depending on who's the hot hand that series or, or that quarter or that half, they ride with him. And I think you could see Penn State getting a kind of a rhythm with that. It just there's a lot of things to work through. But the addition of Keziah Holmes, yet another, you know, dynamic talent. And, and I just love the way that we talked about this before. If, if you're able to, to pair him with Kevon Lee out of Florida as well, those two, I mean, that's such a great mesh in terms of, of, of skill set, uh, you know, the way those guys approach the game from a physical standpoint. And I like Holmes because uh, the vision is there already, and, and that's something that is seems to be naturally ingrained within him. And, and, and for a guy who wasn't fully, uh, you know, on board as a as a committed wide uh, committed running back with his high school program until just this last year, it's very good to see him already show that that kind of uh, that kind of prowess uh, in terms of being able to have that peripheral and anticipate things in the open field you match that with his speed it's a dangerous combo and and we've said it they've already got you know Noah Kane's a much different running back than Devin Ford Devin Ford does things uh, certain things better than Ricky Slade Ricky Slade does certain things better than him and then you've got Journey Brown who who <laughs> you know brings that world-class speed and he's just continued to get bigger and he definitely looks the part right now so yes yeah, a very healthy running back room absolutely now Sean we're gonna be looking ahead at the Kevon Lee uh, potentially, uh, you know, announcing here in the next couple weeks. A couple other names to know. We've talked about uh, Ibrahim Traore. Will he or won't he? Um, you know, no, no clarity there. We've got a story up on the site right now from Nick Dawkins, who was on the podcast last week, a Penn State commit. Kind of broke down what he saw working alongside Traore at the camp a couple weeks ago where he got his offer. Nick is Nick is hoping he ends up in this class sooner rather than later. Could see that going into December. And then another name here to know, Sean, uh, one that you mentioned uh, on your big board recently as, as one of the more captivating defensive targets for Penn State, uh, Mordecai McDaniel, who could be entering the final stretch of his recruitment. 
McDaniel is captivating for no other reason that there's really no information coming out. And if if you dealt with Mordecai in the past, that's that's pretty much status quo. So uh, Tennessee, Florida, Penn State, the three that are involved, the three that got official visits this summer. He wants to have a decision in. Uh, it, he wants to have a decision made before his season starts. So looking probably toward the end of August. Right now, no, I don't think there's any picks on the crystal ball right now. I don't think anybody's feeling especially confident. Uh, Mordecai's his own guy. Um, he's, a, he's a special special guy to deal with. But um, and, and I think it's been that way with college coaches, too. I mean, you, we've got uh, pretty good sights at Tennessee and Florida. Checking in. Hey, what's are you hearing anything on Mordecai? No, not really. Okay, same here. Just move on. See what happens. Um, so we're still uh, we're still wondering about that because safety is such a huge need for Penn State. Of course, they've got Enzo Jennings, they've got Jair Brown, but still to to add a guy of uh, of McDaniel's athletic ability caliber, um, you know he's uh, he's a big kid back there that can run. And you know what Penn State likes back there is is, is length, and you can add a guy like that 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 has been a track champion that that, does, that is legit six two and a half six three. Um, it could add a lot to your your future secondary. So we'll see where that stands at the end of August. You mentioned Treore. He's kind of been all over the map in terms of putting out that he wanted to announce on August 25th, pulling that back and sort of seeing where he stands going into the season. Are more offers coming? It's hard to say whether, whether for sure, but there are going to be schools that are watching him. And of course, Kevon Lee has the announcement set for the end of August as well. So could be some more action. And by the way, if, you, if you're if you listening to us and you didn't check out Nick Dawkins uh, last week, definitely worth your time. Um, as you, we, we, we sort of repurposed it on the site a couple of times because it was so good. Uh, but uh, that's kind of where they stand. Heading into the season, you still got guys on the board like Theo Johnson, like uh, uh, Keandre Lambert, who I mentioned earlier, and a couple other positions. Elijah Gaines is going to set up an official. And then you're going to have guys from outside the region set up officials, mostly for the whiteout, but going to set up officials and go around there. So Still things happening, even though they've, uh, I think they're 15th in the country, third in the Big Ten right now. Um, Penn State still has some work to do in this uh, 2020 class. As I told Nick, he set a high bar for the rest of that 2020 recruiting class, whoever's coming on this show next. And we do hope to have another member of that class on the show later this week. Hopefully we can pull that off and and get that to you in the next episode. But, um, you know, by the way, that that Dawkins uh, breaking down uh, his early enrollment decision and Dawkins breaking down what he sees from Traore and uh, a possibility of him coming to this offensive line class. That's all up on the site right now. We've got Keziah Holmes breaking down his commitment and some highlights for him. So if you want to head on over to Lions 24-7, we've got you covered with the latest news. We're going to shift gears from uh, potential 2020 recruiting class additions uh, back to the 2018 recruiting signees who are now the sophomores, but specifically the redshirt freshmen of this group. We're going to put the focus on them. Several of them marquee high school standouts looking to make a move up the Penn State depth chart in year number two. But first, a quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We get back into the conversation here by focusing on members of the 2018 recruiting class who took a red shirt last year as true freshmen. Uh, there was a fair amount of them. The difference here, of course, uh, compared to the rest of the NCAA structure in recent decades is, is these players were actually able to see game time um, contribute. Some of them did that early. Some of them did it late. Some of them did it in both cases and were kind of on the shelf uh, working behind the scenes for much of the regular season. Uh, but we're going to start at the wide receiver spot because of all the places on the football field where you think redshirt freshmen are going to need to contribute. This room sure seems like it. You've got a redshirt sophomore in KJ Handler. You think you know a lot about him as a primary go-to target. Jahan Dotson is a sophomore because he burned his redshirt last year, emerging as a starter later in the season and supplanting some of those um, veterans on the depth chart. Uh, and then that leads us to Justin Shorter and Daniel George, two guys who were viewed as blue-chip prospects. And of course, Shorter at the top of the list of wide receivers in terms of 2018-24-7 in sports rankings so he came to campus with immense expectations uh, Daniel George did too but sur obviously surrounded by less noise um, these guys are now competing for, for what appears to be the same starting job Sean and, and I think you know physically they are both there I think a lot of it's going to come down to who can hit the field confidently uh, in a Big Ten matchup against a high quality defensive back and go out there and run reps like he knows he's going to win every single rep. Um, that's a lot to ask of a young player, but but they're going to need one or both of these guys to do it. And that's been the challenge so far with Shorter. We know he has the talent. We've seen it, unfortunately, a year ago at this time, derailed by that that knee injury. Um, it, it's one of those things. I think he's ahead of George right now. Everything that we've seen, uh, he's running out there with the ones, and they're giving him every chance to, to get it done, and he's he's been getting it done. I mean, I, I, I sound like I'm slow playing him or downplaying him or whatever. He's had a good camp so far from what we've heard. Um, whether or not that's uh, a, the five-star expectation or, or whatever, it, it doesn't really matter right now. Um, but George, uh, Shorter's been the guy that we expect out there in the first week of the season to be number one, uh, excuse me, to be at that X position as the number one guy ahead of George. But, you know, George has, has, has done some nice things. Uh, maybe not the uh, maybe not the pure talent that Shorter has, but really good athlete, very strong guy, can get in there, can block as well, um, which I think will help him see the field. So that X has pretty much come down to those guys. You've got a couple of other guys lower on the depth chart. Cam Sullivan Brown's in there. We've seen Dan Chisena play a little bit of X as well. So a little bit of different skill sets there. Um, but I think it, it comes down to those two guys, and I think they'll be fine. You know, that's the thing. Everybody just wants to just to dump on Shorter because of his ranking, because he didn't come in and light the world on fire last year, you know, for, for multiple reasons. But uh, he's got a chance this year to sort of put that behind him. And you're right. It's got to be confidence. got to be assertive. got to be the guy that steps up. And, and we won't know if he is that guy until we see them on the field in September. Uh, but I, I think they're fine right now. Uh, those two receivers are, are, are definitely, um, you know, they're, they're, they're at where they're at. They got some experience last year, but they're at where they're at as redshirt freshmen. And to step in with a full, fresh set of eligibility to, to be a potential starter, that's a pretty good spot to be in. 
And those two are, are where a lot of folks will look at to see what Jared Parker has done in his first year on campus as the receivers coach. Probably throw Mack Hip and Hammer and, and Cam Sullivan Brown to that discussion as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd expect to see a lot of both those wide receivers. You're going to see a lot of Rasheed Walker this year and, and, and an important role because he'll be protecting a quarterback who is not yet accustomed to uh, you know taking on a pass rush consistently over four quarters of a college football game. And Rasheed Walker is going to be uh, in charge of keeping that quarterback as comfortable as possible off the the left side now Des Holmes also seen reps at left tackle but this is Rashid's job Walker's job until we're proven otherwise and and with Rashid Walker the blueprint has been followed Sean he's a guy that in high school you viewed as you know pack on 30 pounds you got yourself a franchise left tackle if he's there fundamentally he was an all-state player on both sides of the football down in Maryland we know he was a high profile recruit a top 10 uh, top five, actually, offensive tackle prospect came down to Ohio State, Penn State, and Virginia Tech, and now here he is. Uh, you know, less than two years removed from that decision on National Signing Day in 2017, uh, 2018, I should say, and, and you fully expect to, to entrust him with that job. He'll be next to a veteran and Stephen Gonzalez, but it can be a lonely place at left tackle if you're not ready for it. But he's going against one of the country's best on a regular basis on the practice field, so that's got to help. And this is where that new redshirt rule pays off more than anywhere else. Rasheed Walker played in four all four games last year that he was allotted, saved his year of eligibility, but still got out there on the field, got to see what it's like in the, in that helmet out there on the field. And I think that's going to pay off for him. Like I've mentioned, every time I talk about Rasheed Walker, you're going to see hiccups. You're going to see freshman moments, but the talent is there. This kid is is, is tremendously talented. Uh, just uh, they, they had such high hopes for he and Juice Scruggs, and I have Scruggs written down here as well. Um, who's you know really not back with it as uh, you know as much as you'd like to see him coming off that car accident, but he was going to play this year too. So they had really high hopes when you lump these two together, Walker and Scruggs. Really high hopes for both of those guys. You're going to see it with Walker. I think eventually, depending on how he heals up, I think you can see it with Scruggs as well. But just these two kids are are phenomenally talented for for young kids that just came into the program. Across the trenches, another guy who should be, you know, giving Rashid Walker a nice dose of a speed rush, uh, Jason Oway. And and defensive end right now is not a spot where you need to, uh, you know, dig deep into the well for young players because you're in a good good position with with Etor Grossmanos returning. Uh, we've talked about Shaka Tony and the expectation for him as a redshirt junior. You've got two other fourth year guys in Shane Simmons and Daniel Joseph. Those appear to make up your two deep at defensive end. We know Sean Spencer likes to incorporate, uh, you know, as many players as possible that he's comfortable with in that rotation sure sounds like Jason away is going to have a role flash last year with a couple of sacks against Kent State um, didn't flash nearly as much in the three other games but he was another guy who, who got his feet wet at the college football level with four game appearances while preserving that red shirt I've said before I've always I've always viewed the third year for Jason away's potential breakout but based on what we've heard from Sean Spencer and I think the reps will be here for him to do some damage I really like the way he'll be able to work off the other guys in this defensive line when he's on the football field and and he is a guy who you know he may only make you know seven eight nine big plays over the course of the of the year by big plays I mean ones that you say oh Jason Away's on the football field but because of his speed and I think the way he can really uh, surprise some offensive backfields you know those could be some thunderous plays that potential momentum changers because I just feel like you're going to view his stats at the end of the year and see how productive they were. Um, you know, I, I could see this guy getting you know, six sacks and maybe fewer than 20 total tackles, but I think he's going to make the most of those opportunities. 
Yeah, he's got every opportunity to come in and carve out a role. Don't know if it's in that first four right now because you've got uh, Shaka Tony and Yitor Grosmato is going to start. Shane Simmons is going to push for starting. Daniel Joseph, I think they're going to give him an opportunity to be that fourth guy. But does he need to be in that four? You know, that's I think that's what you're kind of saying here is there, there there can be a niche for him to come in to get after the passer to 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 go after tired offensive tackles in the fourth quarter. Um, we saw Shaka Tony do that against Indiana last year, have a field day, and I think uh, Jason can be that guy. I mean, is is he going to come in and stop the run on first and second down? Probably not, but you know he'll he'll eventually get there. So. Um, again, another spot where that redshirt role uh, can, can benefit them because he really was the definition of a guy that's, that wasn't ready to go in, but you just wanted to see what you have. You just wanted to see you know, how he could stack up, and, and the answer was, yeah, he could, he could hang. I mean, the, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that, that he, can ha- he can come in as a redshirt freshman. He can have a big impact in the sack game. Don't know if he's going to be, like I said, six tackles, or what are he going over under six sacks and 20 tackles? I think it was a pretty good lines to set. So um, it's uh, it's every opportunity for him to come in, give a little bit of a change of pace. Uh, this defensive end group has flexibility. You can move Gross Matos down to to tackle, to to rush the passer, which we saw last year. So every bit of flexibility at that end spot and, and always going to benefit from, from you know the situation that he's in because you're not pushing him to be an every down player. Owe was uh, viewed as one of the more freaky athletes in this class, and you could probably say the same thing about Will Levis, who who was a really impressive athlete in his own right at the quarterback position, uh, coming out of high school and now in a much different role than he was during his first year on campus when he was the scout team quarterback. Obviously, a starting quarterback has been mentioned, but whether or not he is your starter, you're going to see Will Levis in games this year playing the quarterback role. Uh, you know, and and we just don't know what we're going to quite see yet. But we've talked about you know the tantalizing arm strength. The kid's a, a kid is a heck of a runner when he gets a chance to, you know, and I can he can lower his shoulder and bowl some guys over. Um, like like Sean Clifford, we don't know what it's going to look like on on third and seven in the fourth quarter when you need 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 a first down. Uh, is he going to be able to deliver that throw? No idea there. That's what we're going to learn. But but Will Levis has quickly gone from you know kind of a guy you didn't need to pay too much attention to last year for the average fan uh, as a freshman to now as a redshirt freshman, a guy that very may well you know determine how good Penn State can be if Sean Clifford either a isn't up to the task to be the starting quarterback or b uh, undergoes some kind. Of injury. You're going to want to see him in September because that means Penn State's probably you know in a, in good shape in those first couple of games. So Levis, I don't think there's any question we're going to see. Uh, questioning how much we're going to see uh, Zach Koontz and Bryce Efner, the two other guys on offense. Uh, Efner probably a little bit lower on that pecking order to to play tackle or excuse me to play guard or possibly be a tackle. We've seen him at guard when he's been in there, um, but still I think he's on that uh, that development track that you're kind of used to just going to be a redshirt freshman no real reason to play him as he was a guy that came in at about 260 uh, 265 or somewhere in there so not a huge thing uh zach Koontz is kind of different uh obviously he came in with a a recruiting pedigree but he also came in in the same class as pat fryermuth who took that job and ran with it Koontz, i I think there can be a role for him i don't think it's going to be very big they seem very high on what they can get out of fryermuth and nick bowers i think they're going to play both of them at the same time Koontz probably still needs another year to develop Uh, he's you know two in the 240s right now um, which you know it sounds like a lot, but when you're six, seven and a half, that's uh, that's pretty well spread out. So don't really think we'll see a ton of those guys. I think Koontz has uh, a lot of talent. It's just a matter of him developing his body to to find where he can be the most effective. And I think that's probably a year from now, um, probably at the earliest. 
Coons could be a really interesting weapon if, if they utilize him here and there, uh, just based off of that size, the mashup issue. And, you know, if, if he's out there on the field with a guy like Pat Fryermuth and say so you, you line him up out wide, uh, you know, just curious to see it, it, what they're going to try to maybe force upon some defenses uh, in certain situations with Coons. But I don't think there's any rush to get him on the field. You like what you have with those top two guys. Uh, and then it, addition- I think it's more I think it's more about who you're taking off the field with. If you yeah. put Coons on the field, are you taking off a third wide out? Are you taking off Fryermuth or Bowers? Um, you know, if you're going to play both those guys. So I, I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. I just don't think he's at that level yet. And, and you know, it, it seems good in theory to throw a six, seven guy out there on the edge and maybe throw a fade to him, but it's a low percentage play to begin with. And I think you've got a guy like Justin Shorter who is going to get more reps that you can throw out there in that situation. That play always looks a lot better on paper and in theory than it does when you see it executed or not executed on the football field. Sometimes those tall guys on the outside and, and fade, um, when you look at defense, there's a few names here that stand out on the defensive line, but first one in the defensive secondary, and all of a sudden, Trent Gordon is the only defensive back left from the 2018 recruiting class. You had a safety, Isaiah Humphreys, transferred to Cal Berkeley, and then you had cornerback Jordan Minor before he could really get underway with his Penn State career, uh, getting flagged for a heart condition that, that unfortunately forced him into some early retirement with football. He's still uh, with the program and in a supportive role, but not playing. So Trent Gordon, you know, got to be looking around himself and seeing some of the these young uh, cornerbacks, Marquise Wilson, Joey Porter, and obviously uh, Keaton Ellis, and, and seeing that competition now in place. And a couple of those got to, guys got to campus early, Ellis and and Wilson. And, and Ellis is the guy that I, you, know, you really see pushing Trent Gordon to be on that two deep at cornerback. Uh, Donovan Johnson, uh, if healthy, like what he brings to the table as your third guy. Uh, but, you know, Trent Gordon's going to face face some competition here from uh, Keaton Ellis. And, and as those other guys get up to speed as well, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up because you're looking at a situation here where I don't think a lot of people would be shocked if Penn State ends up needing to replace both starting cornerbacks after 2019 if things go well. Probably uh, the most surprising of the guys that played four games last year. I know they were high on Gordon, came in with a a pretty high floor coming from Texas, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you can get into next year in 2020 and all of a sudden, you know, John Reed's gone regardless. Tariq Castro Fields with a good year could be gone as well. So you want to get him experience in there. Of course, Johnson's in there. Keaton Ellis is in there. A lot of talent, a lot of uh, youth and, and inexperienced talent in there. But you know, Gordon's a guy that's uh, I think you can you can lean to as a solid guy as a as a four this year as maybe a five. And that's the that's been the emphasis is not finding one and two because you know who one and two is. It's it's sort of labeling three, four, and five and going from there. And and Gordon's a guy that can play special teams as we saw last year. That's kind of where they used him to near the end of the season to sort of get some special teams reps and go from there but uh yeah it's probably the most interesting um i guess in that back seven i mean charlie catcher's there as well um catcher started the uh excuse me started camp as the second guy behind cam brown at the sam um so interesting to see him he's added some weight got to embrace the physicality of that position he's more of a safety more of a rover than anything so we'll see how he plays within that system and i and i think again Another guy that can give you quality special teams play. Catcher is a phenomenal, uh, was a phenomenal high school football player. Played at uh, several different positions, so I think he gives you um, the the ability to play on special teams as a redshirt freshman, and and I think that's where you're going to see him the most. 
He was kind of that Swiss Army knife uh, for Cumberland Valley during his high school re- career, all over the defense, all over the offense, and uh, he's somebody that that certainly sounded confident coming off of the off season and and you know physically developing that helps. Uh, but you know you look around this room and you look at all the you know the big name talent. He sees Lance Dixon come in the room at the same spot. Uh, you know he, he's he's got a lot of fighting off to do with a really impressive freshman uh, linebacker group. But you know he came in alongside Luketa and Parsons. He's always going to be an under the radar guy when we look back at this 2018 recruiting class and uh you know clearly behind the scenes he's put in that work and and i think he'll get some opportunities here we'll we'll see where he is at practice um coming out of another week but last week he was still with the number two group so uh, something to monitor there on the defensive line a few guys that i feel like any of these guys give you significant uh roles here in the defensive front in 2019 you're probably feeling pretty good about it uh three guys who have made their transitions in their own way since getting to campus judge culpepper going from defensive end to defensive tackle Nick Tarburton going from linebacker to defensive end and then Aeneas Hawkins who lost his entire senior season due to an injury uh, as a result of that didn't come in to 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 campus than the shape he wanted to be in and the staff wanted him to be in. So the last year or so has been about him, you know, breaking it down, building back up. He's back up over 270. It's a much better weight than where he was when he arrived. So again, three guys here that that I don't think any of us are highlighting as some people who are going to impact this defense in a tremendous way in 2019. But if, if, if any of them can make strides, they could put themselves in a great spot, not just to help this rotation, but, you know, to be at the, more at the forefront of the conversation in 2020. I think Culpepper is the guy that you look to out of these three. Um, we haven't seen much from Tar Burton since he moved to defensive end. And Hawkins, I think, is very much a reclamation project in terms of ditching that weight and going back to, to where he needs to be. So Culpepper had a good summer. Uh, obviously, there's, there's an opportunity there in that fourth, fifth defensive tackle uh, spot. You know, you've got Damian Barber there. You've got Fred Hansard there. But Culpepper can give you something, and I think he can he can find his way onto the field. I think he can work his way onto the field um, this year. don't think it's going to be an extensive role, but he has that ability. He has, uh, like I said, had a good summer. He's a very hard worker. He's a guy that uh, the staff likes a lot. And, and to go on top of that, you usually talk about the st- the hard workers, the scrappy guys or whatever, and I realize I'm falling into one of those uh, stereotypes. But um, he's also got size to go with it. I mean, he's a this is a big kid in the middle. Um, you know, he I think he's finally at a weight where he can be effective, and, and maybe that's not his eventual goal weight to to be where he wants to be. But I think he can go in there. He can give you some reps, and if that's really as a redshirt freshman, if that's what you're trying to get out of a defensive lineman on a defensive line that shapes up to be you know as good as we think this one can be, I think Cole Pepper is going to be that guy. Yeah, we think we know, you know, the top five uh, or so defensive ends, maybe put five or six guys at defensive tackle that we think, uh, you know, really four. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot of necessity, barring injury, for, for for any of these guys to step up and need to be tasked. But I'm with you. I think Judge Culpepper, uh, you know, you talk about the pedigree as well with his, with his football family. Uh, there's a lot to buy in there. And you can say the same thing about Aeneas Hawkins in that regard. But I think physically uh, where they're at, Culpepper's in, in a good spot. I do think Aeneas Hawkins, though, I mean, I think he's got his head on right, and I think physically uh, he's made tremendous strides. So I wouldn't be surprised if he surprises, but we also got to throw in the fact that you know a guy like Akeem Beeman, who's a true freshman, has come in and made some noise early, and they like Joseph Darkwa. So the way this team is recruiting, the way Sean Spencer is accruing athletes on the defensive front, you know you can't afford to take your foot off the gas pedal, even if you're not in game action, because uh, as we saw last year at the receiver spot, you know you can see the newcomers leapfrog some of the guys who have been on campus a little bit longer. Uh, so 
so we'll continue to monitor there. But a lot of redshirt freshmen, as we said, fewer than in years past. You go back to last year, there were only three uh, you know, second-year players who had actually seen game action. Etor Gross-Matos on the defensive line, and then in the defensive backfield, you had Lamont Wade and, of course, Tariq Castro-Fields. That was it in terms of second-year players who had experienced games. Just about everybody we mentioned on this list, and that's not even including the sophomores, they have seen some kind of action, whether it was against Kent State or whether it was against you know uh, Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. They've been out there. They've gotten their feet wet a little bit, and I think that'll serve them well moving ahead. I, I, we'll, we'll get in this conversation later in camp, though, Sean, but that green light, red light, yellow light conversation with, with these next freshmen, it's always curious to see what the domino effect is, and, and I think uh, you know definitely curious if, if the staff will weigh in a little bit on what they gathered last year and how that maybe plays into the approach they're taking here in 2019 because I think a lot of college football programs gathered a lot of data from what they went with in 2018 and and implementing those redshirt freshmen and when they did that and maybe there's some adjustments here in the second year of this uh you know this system yeah, they made some adjustments on the fly last year even to, to get some of these guys. And you saw going into the bowl game, I think Jason Owe was the only one that was still kind of on that line. Um, and they, of course, didn't play in the bowl game. So did a nice job of stacking that up. It helps when you, you know, it helped when you had Maryland and Rutgers at the end of the schedule last year. So, you know, you can sort of balance what you've got with those four games. And it's just, I think it benefits everybody. It gives the, the guys that come in that maybe aren't completely ready to play, but gives them some experience just sort of getting out on that field. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that we don't really look at very often is how often you can get onto the field in a game situation and it might be at the end of the game it might not matter at all but still just to get out there and to see what you've you what uh adventure you're going to be tackling in the future i think that makes a difference and for guys like rasheed walker for guys like jason oway i mean you're sort of sharpening them for for when they're going to have bigger roles and now you can put them in a bigger role as a redshirt freshman so it's going to be fun to see how that uh, comes about with the 2019 class, I think there's still some guys that are up in the air and you've got spots where, you know, mostly on offense, but you've got spots where guys can, you know, sort of uh, play with it and go with it. We see Anthony Wigan. He's still in, you know, I guess he's still eligible for a four game red shirt. You know, you've got Caden Wallace is in the same situation. Maybe you combine those guys to play in eight different games and all of a sudden your offensive line depth looks a little better. So they're going to play with it. They're going to keep learning. I think they learned a lot last year and we're going to see what kind of approach they take with it this year. Well, we will learn a little bit more about this team on Wednesday. As I said, it's our post-practice session. We'll get Franklin, an assistant coach, and a couple players uh, bringing the latest from that on our next edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast as well. Uh, hopefully get a chance to, to have another commitment on with us and break down his decision and, and also what he sees from this Penn State recruiting class. We'll bring you those conversations as much as we possibly can. Uh, before we step away, Sean, anything else to add on this latest episode? Nope, we were shooting for 25 minutes, and we made it to 47, so we're there. But uh, no, thanks for everybody for joining us. I think we'll probably shoot to be back later this week for a little bit more recap on practice and maybe some more recruiting or something like that. But thanks for, thanks for joining us. All right, for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Uh, follow all our coverage on Lines 24-7, on Twitter, on Facebook, and, of course, right here on the podcast. Take care.